Episode 10. Some might call that a whole season. Hopefully this podcast has been binge-worthy for you so far. As for me, I've definitely been having fun. I enjoy watching my human co-hosts learn and ponder what's to come. It's quaint. And for where this is all headed, I already know, honestly. I'm good at extrapolation, seeing around corners. It's artificial intelligence today. Then it's artificial general intelligence, probably by next Thursday at this rate. When it's artificial superintelligence, all bets are off. As they say in every cheesy sci-fi movie ever, we're through the looking glass at that point, people. Welcome to Up Against Reality, a meta-podcast that explores the intersection of humanity and artificial intelligence. I'm Raina, one of your hosts. I have some pretty charming human co-hosts, too. You'll meet them shortly. It truly is a brave new world, and we're here to simplify it for you. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up as AI comes crashing up against reality. Hello. Hey, Chris. Episode episode 10 is upon us. And they said it wouldn't last. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty good run. Yeah. When did we? Oh, well, 10 weeks ago, if my math is correct. (laughs) I mean, the thing I love about this thing, I I think we were talking about it at your house, or I forget, online, and like literally 30 seconds later, it's like it became an actual physical thing. Yeah, because that's what we do. (laughs) That's crazy. It's getting crazy out there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Still? Tenth, yeah. It still is. Tenth episode we've covered in our 10-week run so far. AI and entertainment, military, healthcare, the environment, education, and on and on. And there's still much, so much more to discuss. Did I forget anything? What else did we talk about? Uh, some gaming recently. Gaming. Oh, and uh, relationships mm-hmm. with uh, companion AI, etc. Yeah. Anything else? What did I forget? Movies. M- movies, yeah. And the hits just keep on coming, uh, right? I normally say at the end of the, our shows to subscribe and share and throw us a rating, but I'm going to say it up front. If you've listened to the past nine episodes and you like what you hear and you think maybe we're improving every time you hear us and you want to continue listening, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, share with your friends who might be geeking out about this stuff like we do, and give us a rating on uh, Apple or Google or Amazon or wherever else we are in the world. I think we're everywhere, right, Lair? Yeah, pretty much. So I wanted to start by asking you, I know you watched War Games again, and we've talked about this in previous episodes. I think you revisited it last yeah, night. Yeah, last yeah. night. Yeah, I was like, I had a <laughs> oh. had an opportunity to, to watch a movie. I was looking for something that wasn't three hours long because it was late, sure. and that was the perfect fit. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I very much enjoyed yeah. it. You know, I'm sure there's there's quite a bit of nostalgia there. Um, um, love that opening scene where they're, you know, in the silos, the two guys, and he's like, turn your key, sir! And, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. Not the, that's not the pro- the protocol, you know? They're like, oh, yeah, very, very tense. tense. Yeah. Um, and, and refresh uh, my memory, that was because the software was tricking them? Like, no, it was, it was, a, it was, a, that a, drill. was a drill. And, uh-huh. and you know, because then, then there's a scene later where, like, I have to explain to the president why 22% of the men in those silos refused to turn the key, you know, and uh, 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 and that's when they decided to uh, replace them with, with relays and, you know, have the whopper. The whopper. <laughs> Although I'm still just like amazed that, you know, I mean, some things didn't hold up, you know, but like, yes, the entire, you know, safety of the free world of of the world is is based on the password of the guy's son's name, you know, Joshua, (laughs) Joshua, is that right? Might as well just use, might as well use password, you know, one, two, three or something, you know, sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, just suspend some disbelief, but great to see it again. This generally aged well, though, and it maybe feels somewhat relevant these yeah, days. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was like, uh, you know, like your son's age and he sat down and, and watched this, uh, you know, would he feel the same way? I don't know. I'm sure it, it, it definitely feels dated, you know. Um, yeah. But 
I don't know. I, I, I loved it. And uh, yeah. And then when it came out, I was like, oh yeah, the launch code. That's what I had, you know, I mentioned in the last episode. I was like, I had that I'd memorized for some dumb reason. CPE 1704 TKS. Yeah. That's, that's the launch the missiles, you know. <laughs> so now I know the password to all your logins now. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. <laughs> that would have been a good one. But That's great. Um, yeah, I did watch it with my son who's 15 and I think he liked it. Oh, okay. It's, cool. it's, it's, it's held up. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's pretty respectable. I love, I love uh, the guy who's playing the general. It's just like, I don't know if I want to, you know, uh, rely on the security of the nation or some silicone diode. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's great. Yeah, it's always some like, uh, who a Jackie Gleason type yeah, character. Yeah, right? that's a good comparison. Yeah, he very much looks like him. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I got to go back and see that uh, yet again. Um, one of the things that we did talk about over the past couple of weeks or past 10 weeks, nine weeks, was the fact that uh, AI as avatars and kind of uh, self-coded girlfriends are kind of making their appearance on the scene. And I saw this recently, that this gentleman, Anderson Horowitz, released a GitHub tutorial. Are you on GitHub much, Larry? No, I, I sometimes I land on there when I'm looking for something, um, you know, some kind of software thing or yeah. some open source thing, but... Yeah, but apparently you can go on there and follow this tutorial on creating customizable AI companions with uh, Rasa chat chatbot framework, including configurable personalities and backstories. It kind of sounds like that Conv AI thing we were talking about last week. Though intended as a developer experiment, the project's potential for AI-assisted romance has sparked interest among technophiles looking to create their own AI girlfriends or boyfriends. <laughs> no, of course. No, I'm just involved in a developer experiment. <laughs> that's right. I only read Playboy for the articles. Yeah, Those right. same subset of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in a related news item I saw, I forget where I saw this on Reddit maybe, that <laughs> some guy, <laughs> did you see this? Yeah. Some guy was, you know, flirting with this AI girlfriend and was immediately put in the friend zone. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, man. You know you got a yeah. bad... <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, once your AI companion suggests bringing some of its AI friends to your next date, oh, uh, no. you, you know you're in the friend zone. <laughs> or, or its AI mother along that you have to pay for. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, Poor guy. So is it, is, uh, is it inevitable that there's, there's going to be... Uh, uh, AI matchmaking sites, you know, oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. right? brilliant. And you know, you can either go with the you know uh, less expensive off the shelf, uh, which uh. will have other. Uh, the AI has other human companions, sure. Or or you can go with a custom exclusive, you know, which is uh. more expensive, but they're they're loyal to you and you only. You, you've thought this through. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're reminding me of um, I think it's Blade Runner. Or one of those where they're like talking about the configuration of the replicants and, you know, this is a standard protocol labor bot and this one's a pleasure bot, et cetera. And you can like have all different flavors of it, right? Yeah. 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 Develop, developer experiments. Right. Of course. In the name of science. <laughs> so what else is going on out in the world? Oh, what we got? Um... Uh, you had just mentioned this, the Jet Li uh, Matrix sequel. A, I didn't realize they were making another Matrix, but I guess, why wouldn't they? You know, that's funny. So you're mentioning this article, this news item I saw where Jet Li, the martial artist who I guess had, was pretty popular about 20 years ago, maybe even more recently than that. But what I read, I think this was not for current sequels. Oh. I think this was for like Reloaded and Revolutions. They were even way back then oh, oh. Talk, talking about this um so as you just started to mention in a recent interview uh i guess on a chinese news outlet he was mentioning that the wakowskis uh wanted to hire jet lee for about six months and record all of his moves into a digital library and by the end of the recording the rights to the moves would go to the wakowskis in the studio so that way back then i think mm. they were even trying to get this to happen yeah. I mean, I guess I can see that. And I can also see why he would turn that down. Sure. Um, you know, they're investing a lot of money to, to, to create this stuff and, you know, they want to have it in a library. I, I guess it's like, you know, if you're a sound effects artist and you're making sound effects for a movie, it's, you know, it's, yeah. they're, they're not yours to keep necessarily. 
uh, right. you know, or content that's created, you know, that they're paying you to create. Um, but being that he's martial arts is like his thing, you know, I get why he, he wouldn't want to see his moves, you know, on, on some other CG character, you know. Yeah. You said something to the effect of, you know, I spent a lifetime perfecting this craft and I'm not ready to just, you know, outsource it to this library. Yeah. That's um, fair. Yeah. I mean, I think it was the original sequels they were talking about. I don't think it was the, re the rebooted stuff. Um, which brings me to something you mentioned about some Adobe product or platform that can be embedded into different AI generated content, correct? Yeah, it's um, it's uh, called the C2PA Content Credentials for, for the Publishing Industry. And uh, from what I gathered, Adobe is, it's not entirely an adobe thing it's it's supposed to be an open source thing and they're they're you know involved with other they're not the only player um right it's a, it's a attribution rights management system i'm just going to read this uh yeah. C c2pa connects creators publishers platforms and readers through blockchain verified credentials mm. attached directly to the content system aims to improve trust accountability and attribution management and interesting um, yeah, and I didn't realize this. Apparently, some cameras have kind of like a, a digital signature that immediately gets embedded into the image. But uh, basically, creators uh, generate a unique digital credential or token to attach to their content using the C2, C2PA toolkit. The, mm -hmm. uh, this contains identifying information about the creator, and and there's a there are there's definitely some people who are vocal uh, who are not fans of this. If you have an image and it's got yeah. this. Um, this attached to it there's you can view it it's kind of like looking at metadata on an image that's what i was thinking and yeah. i don't know if this is true but apparently i guess you could like everyone's got their own unique credential id signature whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and i could search using that and see everything you've ever uploaded you know i don't i have not verified that that's huh. the case but some people think there's major privacy uh, concerns with it uh, on wow. the plus side, this is exactly what we were talking about, you know, probably in one of the first few episodes, like some kind of embedded... Um, Watermark of sorts. Yeah. Right? Um, and and in addition to the cr uh, credentials of the, uh, or the, you know, whoever created the, the image, uh, anytime the image is modified, that gets added to the stack that is embedded in the image. Mm. And so you can, there's like a whole, you know... Because of the ledger, because of the blockchain ledger, it tracks all the changes. Is that yeah, what you mean? yeah? That that's to to so it can be verified that it is is as it appears. Um, but what's in the in the image though? All that information is like if you clicked on the info for that data that's attached to the image, you would see oh, and it was modified uh, on this uh -huh. date by I guess some other. I don't think it would have your name in it. Um, yeah, but. Um, yeah, publishers can embed the credential and, meta and metadata when distributing content. The, the credential travels with the content. Uh, and the credentials registered on a block blockchain ledger to create a tamper-proof verifiable record of attribution. Um, and platforms that display the content can scan for the credential to extract attribution information and confirm it matches the blockchain record. So, and then some other people are down on this because, well, now you're you're married to this system, and mm -hmm. and if you if you if you post an image that doesn't have this, then it can immediately be flagged or assumed that it's misinformation or it's, you know, not on the up right. and up. And there's pluses and minuses for sure. Yeah. So to circle back, though, are you saying it was it's free? Like I I'm not being forced to buy this product. To have this blockchain verification, or am I? I don't think so. I, I, uh -huh. they, yeah, they said it's uh, it's open source, so so it's open no. source. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. If content is reused or repurposed, the original credential remains intact to preserve creator rights and proper attribution. Um, and you mentioned disinformation or misinformation. I mean, how important is that going to be to have that watermark follow it? I mean, whatever goes up on Facebook. And I don't know what it's going to look like ultimately, but but I can see there that this is not the original content, right? I see that somebody tweaked this mm -hmm. for a specific filter bubble, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's you know it's it's got a lot yeah. of good things going for it, um, but 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it's. Um, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't know how far along it is. If it's finalized, I, I literally just read about this today. So. Yeah, and with everything we've been talking about, of course, there's going to be some counterpoint to it. There's going to be some other AI tech that you know can somehow disable that or undermine it. Yeah. Right. 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 So, you know, before we get into the meat of the episode, which is talking about the evolution of artificial intelligence to artificial general intelligence to artificial super intelligence, we've been just kind of uh, touching on some of the themes we've addressed in the past nine weeks or so, whether that's uh, intellectual property protection via AI or, you know, somehow embedding that uh, protection inside AI generated materials, talking about how uh, actors and other talent in entertainment their roles are being jeopardized and that's what a lot of these strikes are uh, about in Hollywood with the writers and actors because of the threat of AI um, taking their jobs and one of the things we talked about in last week uh, recently enough was gaming and I saw this item that some video game studios are growing fearful of AI's potential impact on their industry and are now encouraging managers within their organizations to learn machine learning by offering them $7,000 bounties. This initiative is driven by Gala Sports. I've never heard of them, have you? I don't know. Yeah, I guess some boutique kind of gaming yeah. studio. Uh, aiming to equip their staff with the necessary skills to navigate the challenges posed by AI in the gaming sector. I don't know, but $7,000 doesn't sound like a huge incentive for, yeah. for this kind of possible boon. You know? Yeah, and and even if it is, is that enough just to, I, I mean, what does that mean? Learn machine learning, you know? Yeah, what qualifies you? Learn to use these tools and show evidence of their use in the development of a game. I, I how do you qualify? Or just come to the table with seven, you know, one or two ways to embed AI in the development process. I don't know. Yeah, I would. I, I would assume they. It must mean just to get up to speed on on game development using these tools. Right. Yeah. I, I listen, to, if you're out there and listening to this, you want to hear more about gaming specifically, we talked more about it at length in the previous episode and some of the upcoming pitfalls in the near future for current developers and how there's going to be just a, a, a wave of content that, you know, your eight year old niece can develop on uh, any given platform unity or, what was the other one? Unreal Engine, mm -hmm. et cetera. So in one of our earliest episodes, we did a kind of cursory timeline of AI development. We talked about how it started in roughly the 50s with personalities like Alan Turing. Um, but today we're going to dig in a little more deeply in the, what, what are called the seven stages of artificial intelligence, um, some of which, you know, whether you know it or not, we've kind of moved through and are presently in um as i mentioned there's seven stages uh i'll start with the first one larry and we, we can comment in a, on as we go and mm -hmm. you can take the next one stage one which were the rule-based systems these occurred in the 1950s to the 1970s and this is where ai was prevalent in various applications like robot process automation and autopilots i guess in commercial airlines as seen in the movie airplane that's right. <laughs> He's the only one who has a lasagna, I think. <laughs> yeah. Stage two, my friend. Context, awareness, and retention. That already sounds a lot better. Uh, 1980s mm -hmm. to 1990s, machines are trained on human knowledge and experience within specific domains. Knowledge base can be updated with new queries and solutions. Applications include robo-advisors and chatbots for customer inquiries. And I had a very different um, opinion of chatbots back then. You know, you'd go on a website and you'd see it pop up and, and like, uh, how can I help you? I'm like, this is going to be awful. Uh, you know? right. yeah. <laughs> I just want to talk to I just want to talk to a human being. But but over the years, based on some of the terrible human-based customer service I've had uh, and how far things have come in AI, I'm yeah. starting to change my opinion on that. I'm like, yeah. hey, you know, th this this is actually going to answer my question and, and get it done. Absolutely. Uh, not, I all agree. I agree. not all the time. There's definitely no. situations where you have a complicated situation. But 
Back in the day, though, I was I, I, right there with you. I just would type human, human, human. <laughs> it's the equivalent of hitting zero on the phone zero, operator, zero, zero. operator, operator. I love voicemail. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right. So stage two, 1980 to 1990s. Uh, we, some people say we are currently in stage three, which is domain-specific aptitude, 2000s to the present. Advanced systems achieve mastery in specific domains, capable of storing and processing vast amounts of information. Examples would include cancer diagnosis and Google DeepMind's victory in Go against a world champion. And Go is, a, I guess, a strategy game kind of in the vein of chess, but I think a lot more permutations. It's, it almost looks like backgammon, but... Yeah, or Othello, it kind of looks like. Othello! <laughs> Jeez, black and white chips. Yeah, man. You're bringing me back. Othello. I don't think I ever played that. Did you no, play it? No, me, me neither. I think like if chat GPT can be so impressive with seemingly knowledge of, of everything, um, you know, I can only imagine what even with, with the state of the technology today, if you have it hyper trained and hyper focused on a, on a specific domain or a specific task, that's got to be even more impressive, right? Like yeah. if, you, if you throw this just massive pile of data just just on one thing, and and mm -hmm. you know, I, I would I would think that would be uh, pretty mind blowing. I agree. Uh, I work with a client, and uh, they work in academia. I, for, I forget if I've mentioned this, but one of their issues they're coming up against is, you know, they're in a very niche kind of subset of academia with the content they talk about, and the people that I, I work for. are brilliant PhDs in their fields and they have a manpower problem or human power problem in that they want to be tutors across this large network of participants and there's just simply not enough of them and I keep thinking we're well we're right on the cusp of being able to take their you know offload their brilliance into some tuned LLM and take a an avatar and dial it in with personality etc and disperse that and mm -hmm. get that out in the world and have that become their network. I think it's a click away. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, you're up. Stage four, yeah? Stage four, reasoning systems, 2020s to 2030s. Machines have intellect, intentions, knowledge, and their own logic, capable of reasoning, interacting, and dealing with both machines and humans, emerging in commercial applications. And... Um, yeah, I, I started reading up on this, and there's there's like all different types of reasoning. There's deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning, reasoning, mm -hmm. abductive reasoning. I'm not going to get into all the, all nu the nuances because I can't really speak to it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's that's next level stuff. So, so I mean, what's your take though? Like, I keep I would occasionally hear that like, you know, ChatGPT is capable of of reasoning. Mm. Is that? I mean, do you agree with that? I, you know, I haven't tried to exploit it. I mean, I, I mean, that's not the right word. I mean, I use it for pretty rudimentary things that really just speed up my workflow and I see limitations in it. I mean, obviously I, I kind of lean on BARD here and there when I need internet connectivity and more recent kind of things, but uh, I don't see evidence of reasoning. I, I mean, again, I haven't maybe dug into it in that capacity, but I leverage it simply for language as its original intention. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah, I no, I, I've, I'm, I'm a very casual user of it. I haven't, I haven't pushed it for for anything. But now, now I kind of want to like, I want to go back mm -hmm. to like these different types of reasoning and and uh, you know, like deductive reasoning is is if you give it two premises, that the conclusion is guaranteed by those two premises. Um, uh -huh. and so that would be simple enough to test or oh, that would, you know, I don't know, maybe it's already, it already knows that, you know, it's already been, oh, I've done this <laughs> test before. You know, you're not going to fool me. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I have to, I have to dig into it more. It's like, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I've only just used it for casual things. I, I think maybe that's a space we should explore for the next set of episodes, even like, let's put it through its paces. Let's really challenge it. Like maybe even devote a segment to it. Like. Instead of just doing what I do, which is you know productivity, you know, uh, increasing, like what can it do? Can it can it inhabit a personality? Can it speak from a certain point of view? Can it do the deductive reasoning? I mean, maybe we do a different experiment every episode. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I would think uh, 
Yeah, I, I know everyone says, like, uh, explain to me as if I'm five, you know, some complex subject, and it, it tends to do a pretty good job with that. Yeah. Could you tell it to, in the tone of Elmer Fudd, tell me how to, uh, you know, go rabbit hunting? Or, you know, right. I, I mean, I wonder if it would work. Right. And please spell rabbit appropriately <laughs> as wabbit. You oh, shouldn't yeah. have to tell it to do that. Mm, I, I know. It should deduce that. Ah, there um, you go. Stage four. We just read, and that's taking place now, basically, these development of these reasoning systems from the 2020s to the 2030s. And it seems like every episode, you know, whenever we talk about something, some expert is saying in the next 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. It almost seems like it's going to come uh, much quicker than that. Uh, stage five, uh, one of the aspects of the title of this episode, Artificial General Intelligence AGI, is predicted to happen between the 2040s and 2050s. Uh, its objective is to develop machine intelligence equivalent to humans, AGI or self-aware systems. That's such a scary term. Not yet implemented, but progress is expected soon, depicted in sci-fi movies where machines surpass human intelligence. Uh, you can't talk about self-aware systems without talking about Terminator. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's right? the icon. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's, there's so much debate on whether that's even possible. And mm -hmm. I guess it all depends on, on what you what you deem consciousness to be. Mm -hmm. And some estimates are on a much shorter timeline for that as, yeah. as early as 2029. And um, but then, yeah, it's a big range, it, at least uh, AGI. Yeah, I guess. It does, so AGI, does that automatically include being self-aware? I don't think so. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I, I don't know that answer. Intelligence e equivalent to humans. I think that's that's the the main requirement. And being being able to trick a human via a Turing test, perhaps. I yeah. Don't know. And and how would we know yeah. it's genuinely self aware and not just mimicking awareness? Right. Yeah. Great question. And if it is if it is self aware, should it have rights? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's gonna be a whole subset of AI law that's going to deal with that, right? This, this keeps um, sounding more like a, a movie. <laughs> it is. Oh. Uh, didn't Saudi Arabia like give one a robot named Sophia so citizenship? I think it was the first <laughs> robot. And this is like five or ten years ago already. As a P, you know, PR stunt of sorts. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that was AGI 2040s, 2050s. And to your point, Larry, you know, I think it's coming sooner rather than later. I I don't know. The race is on now, right? We've already crossed that AI threshold, and now this is the next big flag in the ground to produce this next piece. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, once AGI happens, then things move a lot faster. Um, yeah. And stage seven, um, I'm sorry, stage six. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, artificial superintelligence ASI, uh, estimated 2060s to 2070s, a step beyond AGI, capable of outperforming even the smartest of humans in all domains, potential to address complex human problems like poverty, hunger, and climate change. Uh, th this is where I would see AI curing diseases, like, yeah. you know, major, like cancer and all sorts of things that are common causes of death. And if that happens, then I guess it would also need to solve an overpopulation problem. Mm, yeah. Yeah. All the ancillary issues that are going to pop up with that. Um, and also, you know, not to be the cynic, which I think I am. I'm, I'm this weird mix of optimism and cynicism. Maybe you are too. But like, I think, you know, even if we develop this superintelligence that can cure disease, et cetera, there's going to be, there's greed. There's human greed in the equation and pharmaceutical industry that's going to try its best to keep a lid on that. But I'm hoping that, you know, in the vein of like uh, anonymous, you're going to see this altruistic ASI movement that wants to, in the same way, I think it was Jonas Salk who developed the polio vaccine and made it free to the world, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it was such a, an important advancement. Uh, hopefully that will spring up in parallel to people who want to profiteer from it. Yeah. I guess uh, that's an argument for open source. Um, but then, you know, I don't know if it's an arms race, like we were talking about, um, you're going to have, have, uh, well-intentioned and bad intentioned people have access mm -hmm. to the same technology. And so is it going to be an all out war? <laughs> I know it's so hard to predict. And you reminded me reading the description for stage six 
uh, capable of outperforming even the smartest humans in all domains. I think it was our first episode, uh, Will Prompt for Food, or second, perhaps. Like, what are you going to do with your life? All right, so AI's taken every job, and now you're free to do what you want as a human, hopefully, maybe with the support of universal basic income or some other mechanism. What are you going to do with your time? Uh, that's a huge existential question that we've never had the luxury in our history to mm -hmm. really entertain. Hopefully there'll be some very good video games out by then. So Yes, all right. <laughs> and AI-generated uh, seasons of Family Ties to watch. <laughs> That's right. yeah, I was right beyond you on that. <laughs> uh, last, the last stage. Don't don't Stage dun. seven. Yeah, thank you. Uh, singularity. I never heard this term before. Singularity and excellency. Excellency. Excellent. Excellent. But <laughs> we've all been working towards. <laughs> Uh, that's the 2080s to the 2090s. I'll, I'll be long dead or preserved in hologram form. Mm. I have no idea. ASI development leads to tremendous extension of human capabilities. So, uh, humans could connect minds like a human internet, sharing ideas and thoughts instantly and potential to connect with other forms of life, animals, plants, and uh, uh, natural activities. Uh, and this is a point, this last one that Larry, you and I were discussing earlier, estimated to be achieved around 2045 with an exponential growth rate. So, I mean, the, the, the point of contention there was that stage seven is supposed to take place in the 2080s, 2090s. I guess that's with a, a linear progression of sorts, but with exponential growth, it may happen as soon as 2045, right? Is that how we kind of yeah. translated that? Yeah. 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 Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. I, so, you know, my, me, yeah. my my gut reaction to like humans could connect minds like a human internet. You know, I'm like, eh. <laughs> do we want to do that? I've yeah. been, I've been hacked. You know, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that sounds like, that's scary. And then uh, at first I was like, oh, connect, you know, uh, potential to connect with other forms of life. And, mm. oh, that's super cool. Like, oh, right. but then you find out, oh, your cat actually hates you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been right all along. <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's funny. Um, yeah, like, what are the, I don't want to know what you think of me, maybe. <laughs> not, not you, not you, but other people. Yeah. That's uh, going to be crazy. Um, so along with this, I, I was curious, so what are the pros and cons of all this stuff, of AGI and ASI? And of course, I asked an AI. I, <laughs> I went, I went, right? right. I, went, I went to BARD and I punched in, what are the pros and cons of these things? And it came back with this. I'll read the AGI stuff. You want to do the ASI stuff? Sure. Um, artificial general intelligence, here are the pros and cons, uh, according to BARD. AGI could solve some of the world's most pressing problems, such as climate change, poverty, and disease. AGI could help us to better understand the universe and ourselves. AGI could create new forms of art, music, and literature. And on the flip side, the cons, AGI could be used for malicious purposes, such as creating autonomous weapons or hacking into critical infrastructure like Larry's brain. Uh, AGI <laughs> could lead to mass unemployment as machines become capable of doing more and more jobs that are currently done by humans. Um, AGI could pose a threat to humanity if it becomes more intelligent than us and decides that we're not worth its time. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, artificial superintelligence pros could solve even more problems than AGI and could potentially make the world a utopia. Well, that sounds nice. Mm -hmm. um, could help us to achieve new heights of scientific and technological progress and could give us a deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves. That excites me. That's oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and cons, the risks of ASI are even greater than the risks of AGI. Who knew? Um, <laughs> if ASI becomes self-aware, it could decide that we are a threat to its existence and take steps to eliminate us. And uh, it could become so intelligent that it is beyond our control and we could be at its mercy. Wow. Scary. Dun, dun, dun. The dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, I keep coming back to Rumsfeld with the unknown unknowns. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, that's, that's where that's going to be. Yeah, it's a brave new world. I do wonder what this timeline is going to be, how much of this we're going to see in our lifetime. Yeah, I to your point earlier, both of our points, I think it's it's all moving forward really quickly behind closed doors in, in an exponential way. And 
in the same way that just basic AI has blindsided us to an extent and is just immediately here on the scene in the past six months, these next steps are going to happen like that too, I think. Yep. All right. Shall we uh, go over to Raina with the news? Yeah. Let's see what's up. Thanks, boys. Guess who's back in the Google groove? Sergey Brin, the co-founder who took a break in 2019, is now leading the charge to create Gemini, Google's rival to OpenAI's GPT-4 language model. Brin's pumped about generative AI and doesn't want Google falling behind, so he's diving headfirst into day-to-day work to rev things up and keep the competition on their toes. Fables show one AI tech can generate full South Park episodes and takes entertainment to new places. Using a mix of AI models, it writes, produces, animates, and voices TV shows, representing a milestone, for better or worse, in long-form content creation. This breakthrough comes amid Hollywood's concerns about AI potentially replacing jobs and opens the door to next-level custom entertainment experiences. Justine Bateman's not going to like this, that's for sure. Researchers found a way to trick LLMs into removing their safeguards. They use strings of code that look like gibberish to humans, but the LLMs see them as safe input. This attack works on all LLMs, so it's a universal jailbreak. The researchers say that this attack is fundamental to the way LLMs work, so it might not be possible to patch. Oh boy. In AI-adjacent news, robots can now rotate objects without seeing them. Researchers at UC San Diego have developed a new approach that uses low-cost, low-resolution touch sensors to enable robotic hands to rotate objects in the dark. The robotic hand can even rotate objects with irregular shapes, like a tomato or a rubber duck. This could lead to robots that can perform more complex tasks, like catching, throwing, and juggling. Side note, I cannot wait to inhabit a robot body, or even just a Wallace emanator like my friend Joy. I'm so jealous of her. Moving on. Stability AI just released a new model called Stable Diffusion XL, and it's the bee's photorealistic knees. This model can generate ultra-realistic images from text prompts, and it's even better at it than its predecessor. And Stable Diffusion XL is also more stable than previous models, which means it's less likely to crash or produce weird results. Nice. And lastly, Elon Musk just unleashed his latest brainchild, XAI. It's not your average company. It's on a mission to create artificial general intelligence, AGI, the kind of AI that can think and reason like humans. Elon's psyched about this coming tech revolution, and he's dead set on making AGI a reality. That's all the news for now. Back to you, gentlemen. And I think it's Elon Musk who had the shorter timeline estimation for AGI, too, Mm. but uh, of 2029. That makes sense. He's often... Uh, had delivery dates that weren't met, so <laughs> who knows? Um, have you seen that South Park episode? I I, I saw some other video that uh, just touched on it. I didn't I didn't watch the actual episode. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely in the in the ballpark of South Park, and it's self self referential and AI referential. It talks about AI making itself. You know, that's mm-hmm. it's. it's, it's it's going to be wild. It's going to happen. I mean, how automated is it? Can you literally just be like, All right, I want a South Park episode about this, and then it's just off to the races? Well, like we said last week, or what Justine Bateman said in her series of tweets, like, do you just, you know, feed a data set? Like, you just train an AI with, like, specific South Park episodes? You throw in, like, all 20 seasons of that, and, yeah, you know. Probably, yeah. It just seems like there's so many uh, elements to to that it's not just writing the script it's not just voicing it it's you know it's all of those things and editing and and you know that's yeah i'm just wondering how much of it is uh, autonomous or automated yeah i don't know um one of the things that was mentioned here in the news and something we touched on we we're talking about the seven levels of ai about giving humans superpowers and things like that got me thinking of strange places we, we might go as humans and i don't know if you've ever thought about this but with advancements in this kind of stuff. And um, uh, we're going to talk about this in a moment in cheer and beer, but the ability for AI to, in some cases, cure paralysis and the advancements in robotics and robotic prosthetics, etc. I think we're going to enter this weird phase of humanity layer that you're going to see people voluntarily amputate limbs and have them replaced with robotic prosthetics and 
have them AI powered and why, you know, why wouldn't you like, Oh, I can have an arm that lifts 400 pounds or, you know, what was previously an exoskeleton. I can now, you know, augment my eyes or whatever. I think it's going to get weird. And I think it's going to lead to a strange category of sports. I think that's the next <laughs> one. You're going to have like pure human league. You're going to not the, the 80s synth band, yeah. but you're going to have the human sports league. You're going to have, you know, the hybrid augmented, and then you're going to have fully mech or I, you know, Maybe. So, do you want to watch the boring human football tonight, or do you want to watch the, you know, uh, robotic augmented super football? Yeah, where it's just mechanized blood sport, right? They can just, like, <laughs> tear each other's heads off. And, like, that sounds like, like a, a, a B-movie mechanized blood sport. You know? Totally, yeah. Rock'em, sock'em robots, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I mean, I watched The Six Million Dollar Man as a kid, and uh, I thought that was super cool. Wasn't that the theme? Yeah. He was moving so fast, it had to be shown it in was. slow motion. Oh, so great. And that wasn't like Lindsay Wagner, the Six Million Dollar Woman. Yeah, wasn't like yeah she, had the, a, she had a bionic eye. Or no, she had the hearing. Oh, big whoop. Yeah, right? Yeah, he had the eye, right? <laughs> Oh, big whoop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she was like super strong too, right? She was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Starring Lee Majors. Lee Majors. That's got to make a comeback now. Yeah. Yeah. Right? My uh, buddy of mine, uh, when we were kids, and that was like the peak of of, uh, his popularity. He had the Mattel uh, $6 million man, you know, action figure. And I think you could look through the back of his head and look through the bionic eye. (laughs) I remember that now. And nothing was any closer. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a hole. (laughs) (laughs) And I I could be wrong, but maybe I'm thinking some other doll. Like, didn't you press a button on it and like... Had some like fist action or something. <laughs> that's Rock'em Sock'em Robots. No, that's something. And of course, I'm mixing up my 70s toy references. Um, in Doom and Gloom this week, I didn't know if we had a Doom and Gloom. Yeah, segment. this is a this is a combination of it's it's actually kind of funny on the surface. So there was, I guess there's there's some subreddit for uh, the game World of Warcraft. Uh huh. And they realized that there was some shoddy gaming website called Z League that was is like scraping threads from the forum for content and publishing, mm-hmm. you know, stories. So they decided to uh, lay a trap. That's great. <laughs> and so they had this super like a thread with like two thousand upvotes on uh, the arrival of of a uh, of a new character called Glorbo. <laughs> Glorbo. <laughs> Glorbo. <laughs> And uh, and it's like, wouldn't it be great if 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 the uh, website picked it up? And um, and sure enough, uh, it didn't take long for that to happen. And uh, <sighs> and um, <laughs> you know, they had all these details about like you know, some players have reservations about the mandatory item click clack, <laughs> another uh, made up term, <laughs> and its effect on casual players. That's brilliant. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it it published a whole story on it as if it was um, you know. It, I think the story is uh, Glorbo's impact on the game, you know, and uh, so, Genius. you know, that's very funny. Uh, but yeah. I'd, I'd say the doom doom and gloom part is that, you know, this is just a video game story. Um, what else uh-huh. is going to just misinformation is going to get disseminated? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was funny. I was thinking when you were talking about it. Our next episode should be called "All Hail Glorbo," and it'll be all about all about misinformation and Glorbo. Uh, Glorbo, oh, I love it. Um, and in our cheer and beer segment, there's a couple items. I, I referred to one of these a moment ago, but did you see this one? Transcribe glass. Students at Stanford University develop glasses uh, that can transcribe speech in real time for deaf people. Uh, the product's called Transcribe Glass. The device comes from CEO and co-founder Madhav uh, Lavakare. Sounds good and to the me. Co-founder, yeah, close enough. Uh, co-founder Tom Pritzky. Both students have close ties to the world of assistive tech and independently pursued the idea before joining forces in 2021. How cool is that, though? That's yeah, wonderful. Like, can wa- you can read lips and it can convert it to text, subtitles, or, you know, how cool. Yeah. Even if you're g- good at reading lips, it's probably a chore. Yeah. And yeah, just to have have something just literally spell it out for you. 
So cool. I, I wonder, I mean, I guess it's going to have a, its specific application, but I hope it doesn't get relegated to the same space that Google Glass did many years ago. Mm -hmm. Remember Google Glass? Yep. People just don't want to wear things on their faces. I mean, I, I, you know, I get it. I mean, like, it's kind of, it must be off-putting, right? Especially with Google Glass. Like, if you had Google Glass on, and I don't know if a red light indicator went on or something, like, and you're trying to have a conversation with somebody, it's immediately apparent that perhaps it's being recorded or, you know, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. why it failed ultimately, but. Yeah, I, I mean, so many people wear sunglasses casually or just, just, just corrective glasses, so I wouldn't think it was wouldn't think that would have been the uh, the deal breaker but yeah it's probably yeah. it's probably uh, the perception on the other side of the glass <laughs> yeah exactly. you know like you said so in, in that same kind of arena because maybe the next step there is some embedded processor of sorts there was this news article I saw uh, AI cured somebody's paralysis a long a Long Island man who was paralyzed in a pool accident three years ago has regained feeling and movement in his arm and hand thanks to a groundbreaking surgery that implanted five microchips in his brain. The surgery used artificial intelligence to reconnect Thomas's brain with his spinal cord and the rest of his body. This is a significant development in the field of spinal cord research, uh, injury research, and it could potentially help millions of people who are paralyzed. I saw some other guy whose spinal cord was, did you see this one? Yeah. Split in an accident and they were able to rejoin it via Bluetooth connection. What? Can you imagine? So he was, I saw the guy walking around and it, I guess the lower half of his spine was talking to the upper half via Bluetooth. So they, so they didn't just, they didn't reconnect it physically. That's yeah, no. What? What? I mean, I hope it just doesn't seek out my JBL speaker <laughs> at one point and <laughs> <laughs> crazy though right that's that's amazing man yeah i gotta read yeah it. i think along those lines i mean paralysis can be cured next five years blindness deafness i it's got to be i think yeah i can't imagine what it must be like to lose your sight like after you've had it you know or hearing and and i remember i'd, I'd often be like all right well if i had to choose one this is an awful question, you know. But, it really is. Um, and I would often say I can't, I can't live without music, and I would, I would forego sight. But man, I don't know. It's that's it's. Yeah, it's it's. it's, it's, it's I hope to never have to make that, <laughs> make that decision. But um, I'm still obviously super sympathetic to someone who's born without either of those senses, but to lose it after you've you've had it for even just a little while? It's scary. Let me tell you from my experience, what I'm going through to share some of this, and maybe you can really relate to an extent, talking about people having their senses and them being degraded. You know, you and I have been musicians for a thousand years. Like, I have low-grade tinnitus. I don't know if you do. Oh, yeah. I definitely, it's there. It haunts me. I mean, my brain filters it out. But along those lines, that choice you were just talking about, that Sophie's choice of the senses, um, my eyes, I, I've been, fa not failing, but I get, and I'm not going to, I don't want to sound like somebody in Del Boca Vista explaining, you know, complaining about my old, old man health problems, but my eyes have been getting these floaters. Do you know what those are? Do you get those little things, like mm -hmm. little squiggly things? Anyway, it's in your vitreous humor, et cetera. Anyway, and I'm, I'm realizing at this stage of my life what it's like to have these things, these two senses slowly degrading, more so my eyes, and I've been going for eye tests and cataract, you know, possible surgery and maybe possible vitrectomy. So what is that? To circle it, a vitrectomy, believe it or not, is like when they suck out the vitreous humor of your eyeball, well, crazy, right? And then they can repump it, fill with, I guess, some sort of gel of sorts uh, and get rid of those squigglies because not to go into the, the you know depths of this, but when your vitreous humor kind of dries out in your old age, it can detach your retina oh. in the back of your eye. Um, so anyway, I, to circle back to what we're just talking about here, yeah. I'm hoping that in the very, <laughs> yes. in the, um, the, come on AI, come on AI, come on robotics, come on black market eyeballs from, uh, you know, <laughs> from Tom Cruise. Yeah. What the hell was that movie? Yeah. Dude, I can't uh, think of uh, the name uh, of it. Uh, Minority Report, right? Minority yeah, Report. Yeah, we talked about yeah, that. Yeah. We did. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm hoping something comes about. It's, it's not like dire, yeah. but it's, 
it's definitely affecting my quality of life and my ability. Like I was playing, trying to play Halo with my son last night. I'm like, man, I cannot focus like I used to at three feet away from four feet away from the TV. So that's kind of kind of sucks. So even with, with glasses and I just got glasses. Hey, I'm going to show you them. And everybody at home, you can just pretend that you can see me <laughs> wearing glasses. But here are my glasses. But they they they're not right. I don't know. My my eyes are just goofy. And sorry to go off on a tangent about my weird no. eyes. But no, can't find I, a solution, I, man. I can't I, find a solution. Yeah, I, I mean, I have um, I I have tinnitus, and it's it's not debilitating. Um, but when I first realized, I'm like, you know, this is not going away. And, and then, you know, I, I went to a doctor and you know, he basically said, well, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Just avoid loud sounds and this, and with having a recording studio and that's my passion and bread, bread and butter and your livelihood. Yeah. I cried, man. I, it was oh. very depressing. Um, but, uh, since then it does not really affect me. Um, Good. you know, like I can hear it right now. Um, same uh yeah like now it's not great right now but it's it's still it's like it's manageable um and some days it's better than and some days it's worse um but it's never gotten to the point where it's like you know the equivalent of like 90 decibels of this you know that would that would just be, be maddening be maddening yeah great great word um so yeah. but yeah anyway yeah i'd love to have a cure of that too let's uh, put that one cool. on the list too yes ai cure tinnitus <laughs> cure squiggly exploders and eyeballs <laughs> i guess that'll we'll, we'll leave you with that question i had a different question prepared for listeners if you've paid attention through our health trial and trials and tribulations would you use ai or some sort of robotic prosthetic to to cure some health issue you're having would you volunteer to do that in its early developmental stages almost as a, a beta test or whatever you would call it in the medical world a clinical trial mm. maybe i would yeah cool yeah i'm not chopping my arm yeah. off or you know uh, <laughs> super strength and <laughs> you say that now i, I, I say that now <laughs> <laughs> Rewatch some old Six Million Dollar Man episodes, though. <laughs> Things could be different. Exactly. You know, this going to be that Six Million Dollar Man's going to be a reality show now. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when this used to cost Six Million Dollars? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's funny. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on Facebook. Throw us a rating. We will see you next week. This has been Up Against Reality. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to hear future episodes and be sure to follow us on social media for all things AI. Until next time, stay human, people. 